podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely lockdown adult listener. Things are starting to loosen up, it's getting good, and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. It is episode 271, I'm Trev Denny, and I'm podcasting to you here from my field, with my growing potatoes all around me in beautiful rural Ireland, and I'm joined as ever by Carl Kopak, by Cam Branch, and for the first time, by Guy Drinkle, and that's very exciting, and we're looking forward to hearing what Guy is going to offer. Guy apparently even has a quote, so he's getting right into it. Absolutely. So we're going to start with Guy in a minute, and that's something that we have been, like I say, looking forward to. Now, I, I want to start my little contribution this week. I'm aware that I went quite serious the last couple of weeks. This is arising from something serious, but it's absolutely daft. Um, in fact, it's daft limmy. And the thing I'm going to play for you just reflects something that I've been noticing an awful lot this week and most weeks of late. I think we all have which is a remarkable ability for mental gymnastics and a remarkable ability for, shall we just say, lack of mental fortitude and aptitude and understanding. Just people who are a little bit slow in the uptake, whether deliberately or by dint of the fact that they just don't get stuff. There's a lot of that going around, and it can be quite difficult to be patient. And like I said, there are people jumping through hoops and justifying things left, right, and center. I've seen some Absolutely absurd situations. But fear not. If you are one of those people who got caught in the hop by the fact that you found something very difficult to comprehend, here's Lemmy. And for one minute and 20 seconds, he'll make you feel a bit better about not understanding basic things. What's heavier? A kilogram of steel or a kilogram of feathers? That's right, a kilogram of steel. Because steel is heavier than feathers. What do you mean? They're both a kilogram. The steel's heavier than feathers. I know that they're both a kilogram. What? It doesn't prove anything. Steel's heavier than feathers. And but look, they're both a kilogram. Right, so they're the same. I only want to look at the size of this, this chain. Oh, they're the same no, way. It's a kilogram. The steel's heavier than feathers. Paul going to tell them. They're right. They're both a kilogram. Oh, no, no, you are not. What is it you don't get? <laughs> I'm telling them. Are you alright? don't get it. Poor Lemmy. He just doesn't get it. And like I said, just struck a real note with me. I think it will with a lot of you in the weeks that we're living through at the moment. Uh, Let me start the show in a completely uh, original and first time way by throwing the ball in the direction of Guy Drinkle. Mr. Drinkle, thank you for eventually joining us, despite all our begging and pleading over the months past, years past, in fact. 
it's good to have you on. It's good to have you on, not just in your usual very invaluable role as producer, but also now as contributor today. What have you got for us to start off? My pleasure, Trev. Uh, and since 2020 is some sort of year, I've got a quote that's quite fitting from one of the greatest pieces of cinema and film history. Oh. <clears throat> and I quote, Apocalypse my ass. This isn't the end of the world. Gods, they're not angry with us. The aliens aren't coming down. It's the government, with a capital G. They're behind everything. They know what we buy. They know what we eat. Where we go to the bathroom. They know what kind of cheese I like. Pepper Jack. They control it all. And the weather too. I gotta hand it to them though. Sharks, I never saw that coming. That is from Sharknado, of course. <laughs> of course it's from Sharknado, which uh, we are aware that is is, is a, a particular fond uh, fondness of yours. And actually, I think we actually referred to it briefly on the show a couple of times. Um, I found myself nodding in complete agreement with the vast majority of that until the shark bit came at the end. So right, we'll see what the rest of the year has. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's 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 not maybe as far fetched as some people would try and say. I love it. What a way to what a way to make your intro. Nice one, guy. Thank you for that, Carl Kopak. What have you got to start us off with? He's sorry, sorry, I was making tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the professionalism of me, Travis. You know, um, I've got a quote. You know what this is, but uh, it's something I've been watching a lot recently. Um, it's the greatest opening to any TV program ever. All irregularities will be handled by the forces controlling each dimension. Transuric heavy elements may not be used where there is life. Medium atomic weights are available. Gold, lead, copper, jet, diamond, radium, sapphire, silver, and steel. Sapphire and steel have been assigned. Now, I'd like you just to explain to people, first of all, the absolutely batshit show that that comes from who's involved in it because most people recognize the if they don't recognize the names they'll know them when you say what they're from um and if you could just try to i don't know there's no elevator pitch for this show but try. Yeah, give me an easy job yeah i'll just take <laughs> <the> sapphire <laughs> steel to the world do try because it's 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 yeah carlos describing uh, he's given us a quote from sapphire and steel which was uh listen you take over man <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Uh, this was in like 1979. It was my last year of primary school, and this is and it stars uh, Joanna Lumley and David McCallum. David McCallum was in like Man from Uncle and things like that, and The Great Escape even. And it's it's your bog standard story of just two people. Um, you don't know where they're from, but they're the extraterrestrial, and they go around solving mysteries involving time. Um, I've just watched the one. Uh, over the last few days with the railway station in. If anyone remembers Sapphire, so they probably remember the railway station story, which lasts for eight episodes. And, and So I was about 10 when it came out, and I'm now not 10. And I think I'm about 10% more understanding of what's going on. <laughs> but, it's, but it's atmospheric as hell. I mean, it, the, reason, the reason I'm into it is it's beautiful TV. It's really cheap. And the, the, all the bad uses, like silent. You never see them. You just hear their noises. And it's just them walking around, like, you know, talking. And they've got their own skills, like Sapphire can turn back time and she can pick up a, a piece of furniture and tell you what date it was made and things like that. And David McCallum's all the heavy stuff, including a lot a lot of the heavy acting, shall we say. There's lots of furious um, looks at people. Uh, and 
they're, they're currently being shown on Forces TV, which is a station I've really got into recently. Because they show, <laughs> they're showing some really bad TV programs, like Get Some In and Bless This House and things like that. And uh, <laughs> but I was absolutely made up. What was really nice, I've got some um, some mates. Uh, my, my oldest, one of my oldest mates, Al, uh, and I like called Paul and Rob. Um, yesterday for about two hours, we had a really long sapphire and steel conversation, and it probably it was the highlight of my social media day yesterday. Well, it would be. Well, but it there's, would be. There's one other thing as well, which is really nice. So in this story, there's a there's a there's a, um, a psychic investigator, and um, they trade on the fact that he's quite an old man, and therefore he might be able to be sacrificed to you know to, to ward off the evil spirits. He's quite an old man, Trev. He's fifty two. He's fifty two. <laughs> And by the way, McCallum wasn't that young at that no, stage. No, not at all. I mean, he's like ninety or something now. He's been knocking about. He's been knocking about since the sixties. He's in the Great Escape, which is what fifty, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so a really old man of fifty-two. Well, that's really, really, really unnerving. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but I think the charm of Joanna Lumley when she was young was obvious, right? But I find her really, really charming as an individual. She started doing this travel show. It's on BBC at the moment. And it's just very engaging. She's like, yes, she's a tough abroad. And yes, she has that background. I think her dad was some sort of diplomat. She traveled across Barrage or whatever. But, you know, she just, she's very engaging. And she's, I think, quite an unassuming person. Maybe in a way that that other lad Portillo isn't, although I know a lot of people like his travel show. But if you get a chance to have a look at Joanna Lumley's travel show, I would recommend it, even just for the places they go. It's quite lovely. Um, love it. Sapphire and Steel. That's a nice offbeat note for us to continue on after Sharknado. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, guy, the two could be linked. Quite easily. There's every chance because there there is some sort of time bending fuckery going yeah. on. So who knows? Who knows? Cam, bring it home, man. Uh, two opening quotes. I don't have a finishing quote today, um, or a closing quote. Sorry. So the first one is a celebrity birthday. Fifty-one today. Born on the eleventh of the sixth, nineteen sixty-nine. Bit a bit old, isn't it? He's getting on a bit. Yeah. He's getting on a bit. He's, well, he's trying to catch us up, Carl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Trent's twenty-six this week. So uh, yeah, that's true. Here we go. We, as Americans at least, I mean, I love my country, but we're so self-righteous sometimes in terms of, like, our nationality, our country. But we're people from somewhere else. The true Americans are the original people. It's funny. We're a very territorial species. Well, I'd love to know who this uh, absolute mental uh, master is as he discovers at the age of 52 that he is not actually a Native American. Fair play to him. Uh, who is this genius? Peter Dinklage. Is it? Is yeah. it indeed? Yeah. Is who it? knows when he made this quote? You know, it could have been 10 years ago. It doesn't give me a date when he made the quote. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I just thought it was very apt, you know, considering current uh, climate. I don't, know, I don't know who that is, I'll confess. That's Tyrion that's... Lannister. From Game of Thrones, he's 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 the 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 actor from Game of Thrones, the Thrones who plays the uh the 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 really sort of evil. Oh, actor. I'll just try to stop there. I've never seen it. Ah, okay. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the dwarf from Game of Thrones. I've never I've never seen the the opening titles. Never mind anything else. Okay. Well, I, I'll tell you I'll tell you where I am on Game of Thrones. Just as a little aside, as Cam's introduced, and before we, I'm, I know you've got another one, Cam. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones. I think I'm in a really rare category where I watched one series. 
found it mildly diverting, uh, borderline engaging, and I didn't bother watching the rest of it. So not engaging or diverting enough, uh, which I think puts me in a different sort of a category, uh, which probably everybody will hate, because Carl will hate me because I bothered watching it, and everyone who thinks it's great will hate me because I didn't bother watching the rest. So it's nice, nice place to be. Uh, Carl, what's your take on it? It was great till the last series, which was very rushed. Ah, I've heard that. I've heard that from quite a few people um, um, who were heavily invested. So, yeah, that's interesting. Your second one is what? Okay, this one's quite apt uh, for where we want to go with the rest of the show, or for the, for the next bit of the show, sorry. I get a real buzz going into a stadium, a full house, the anticipation of how the game is going to pan out. Ex-Liverpool player. Not Adam Lallana, then? No, is the next player. I'd, I would argue our greatest midfielder ever. Ray Kennedy. <laughs> I, I would argue. Emre. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Graham Sinners. It's Graham Sinners. Has to be, yeah. And he, and he uh, is. And he is. And he is. Uh, yeah, that that is good. And actually, there's a couple of things that happened while while you were quoting Suey about the importance of the atmosphere in, in a in a in the stadium. I'm not sure who, who it is who was responsible for it. Last year, we had the frolicking japes of the children outside uh, Carpac's room. This evening, this evening, we've got Birdsong, which is just delightful. <laughs> who's, who's, who's contributing that? Is that you, Carl? That's, that's, that's me again, yeah. It's really... It's, 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 I, I love it. It's really nice. You, you, you are actually taking the piss, and what you've got is that record from Father Ted that Dougal has. <laughs> BBC, BBC Sound Effects, Volume I'm, 40. Volume, oh. it's volume 4. I'm, I'm really pleased you knew it was Volume 4. Yeah. <laughs> Next week's whale song is going to be impressive, Carl. Just so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the one. Oh. I'm calling for you from the South Pacific. <laughs> it's going to put us right at ease with the whale song. That's great. It sounds like, like, like we're on Big Brother and I'm being vaguely sort of slanderous. <laughs> to, Carl has just me. said a swear word in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you who's a paedophile. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have to say, Guy, I think you'd actually do a bang-up job as that uh, particular uh, narration job. I'd love to It's just a northeast thing. Yeah, you do need a brand of wit as well. Let me start with you, because obviously, in a very rare uh, and delightful uh, bit of movement forward, we had the first team squad playing again today against Blackburn Rovers. It was behind closed doors at Anfield, and the lads ran out 6-0 winners for the record. Um, we saw, uh, we heard reports about the various bits and bobs. I think everyone was hanging on, hoping for the um, highlights to be put up on LFC TV before the show went on, or everyone was just waiting for it anyway. I don't know if anybody's got to see any. I haven't. Um, I've seen lots of stills. But I've seen no video footage at all. Apparently, there were goals from Minamino and Nabi Keita, amongst others. Um, Guy, for your money, I remember you you probably have overheard this conversation between myself and Jan, and I mentioned it last week, and he was talking about how well, this is effectively a preseason, and that's really just the first game back in preseason. But we were surmising that maybe the extra motivation of what's achievable so soon might actually make a difference as well in terms of lads finding their legs or trying to, mm. playing at an increased pace. I mean, 
there's very little we can say about a 6-0 behind closed doors win against Blackburn, except every else, every other game is going to be behind closed doors. So it's a good bloody start. End of story, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think the most interesting thing is that the names you see on the go- in the on the goal sheet, it, it's not your established one. I think, I think Mane and stuff scored today, but the names you see pop up quite a lot even in the game against um, the last week's game where it was the, the split team and this one I'm against Blackburn, you're seeing the names like Minamino, Cater, um, even some of the younger lads and our Jones impressed last week, for example. Th- these are the names that kind of have to impress, especially Cater and probably Minamino as well. I mean, Cater, obviously, big money signing, injury problems. He's in a pretty well-established midfield now. Um, and he he's the one who needs to impress really because he doesn't want to go down as a flop and it comes in we don't we do spend money but we don't have 55 million pound flops um so it's good to see that Kate is impressing but we've seen this um pattern before where he'll have a run of three four five games get injured so hopefully now that he's had an extended break he looks like he's got a bit bigger the haircut adds to everything um Hopefully this this end of season is pretty much not the start of his Liverpool career, but the good the good to his peak of his Liverpool career. So that's what I'm taking away from these games. I think I think that's really really interesting take indeed because as you say, there's um, there's only what we were talking about. We'll get another show in before football starts properly. So there are what is it nine ten days before. Uh, the season kicks off properly on Sunday, um, uh, the 21st uh, for the Reds. Um, a day on which the title could be won, in fact, if this, another result goes our way beforehand. So it's no. beyond urgent. Did you just say no in the background there, Brenchy? I did. Uh, did you see the Arsenal result yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what, did, did, fill us in. They lost in. to Brentford 3-2. So all, all my bigging them up last week about them being unbeaten in the league this year, you know, or, you know, 2020, you know, they they were a shower of shit from the couple of <laughs> bits of highlights or so. David Luiz coming out into midfield and they're just losing the ball and they're just looking around thinking, well, what do I do now? Ew. All right, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Come on, Palace. Looking forward to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a shame. Anyway, look, whatever, whatever. Uh, it, it, the fact of the matter is football's coming very, very quick and hot on the heels of this friendly. So we don't have a whole, we're not going to have a whole sample size. And, you know, I suppose, uh, Carl, for, for want of, of, of uh, just anything to be sort of hanging on to, the fact that Takumi Minamino scored, that Nabi Keita scored, the fact that You've got Sadio Mane off the mark and you've got Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain heavily involved and you've got um, a lot of other guys who, and I'm choosing those guys particularly because apart from Sadio, all of them are sort of on the fringes of the first team and yet we all think most of them are well able to be in the first team. I find that encouraging. I think there were a couple of absentees. Uh, Mo Salah didn't play and help me out. Who's the other guy? First Robo teamer didn't play. And think. Robo didn't play as well. But, you know... As 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 uh, guy says, Carl, we have Kiana Hoover scored a goal. Uh, we had a young guy called Clarkson who scored a goal, and we had one from the elegant um, Joel Matip as well. I mean, look, I know you're just going to write it off as a friendly, but we don't have much to go by, and we do need everything to go well. So 
it, it is good that it, it, it went so smoothly. Well, I think it's better than losing at Brentford. Ultimately, big win, clean sheets. Yeah, I'm happy with that. And you're right, you can't really celebrate it. I, I think the Naby Kite thing is going to be really interesting, though, because um, would you say Chamberlain's slightly ahead of him in the pecking order? I mean, it, it, it's going to differ from game to game, so that's going to be... You know, you know the, the the three at the moment they they look pretty unmovable, and yeah. um, and we've only got a handful of games left anyway. And it, if he buys again in in the summer for another midfielder, he's also got to think about Curtis Jones, who really is hammering on the door. I think, you know, yeah. to, to, to at least be considered one of the, the lads who can come on as maybe second, third substitute. Oh, obviously, before he puts Joel on for the last two minutes, where he goes three at the back and drives me nuts. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 which. Still confusing. Yeah, we've got five day. subs now. He can do it even better. Oh, man, he's going to go five at the back. <laughs> Matif and Lovren for a back six. Let's go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Finish your podcast. Sorry. I, was going to say, I think the midfield is going to be really, really interesting because you've got like, you know, they, these are all big players. These are all big international midfielders we've got. And that's before, you know, you think about Lalana, um, who doesn't deserve not to have a chance because he's been really good this year. Um, particularly in, in the in the home derbies, the, the cup game, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, in, and and the um uh, and, and the five two the league win. Um, it, I think I think it's it's I, I agree with you. It's an embarrassment of riches in midfield, and you know we are going to need we're going to play eight billion games next year in about six months. So, and you know, and you know, just to, sorry, put across you, man, but just to bring Cam in, like what's hugely inevitable is that we do have this embarrassment of riches, but that the three that start will be Fab and Ginny and Hendo. Almost undoubtedly, because Clapo's going to go with his best team, and they're his best three in his eyes at the moment. I think Carl's right, and I'd like to get your take on this. I think Ox is first in line then, and depending on how Naby's doing, perhaps he's even equal or next after that. Um, and then you're looking at Curtis, probably, I think. No, no, no. Jimmy Miller, of course. And as you said, Adam Milan is knocking around there. I think the three-month extension is more of a loyalty gesture on behalf of uh, the, the club and the manager who appreciate the man greatly. And therefore, I, w- I, w- I will uh, brook no extended abuse of Adam Milan. I often think of him on the field as a bit of an empty shirt. I, I do. I do. But when he's good, he can be really good. And I like the fella. So there he is. Am I right in making that point, Cam, that the likelihood is that the, the team we're going to see against uh, Everton, against Palace, against City, as we try to get this bloody thing done, is going to be the three starters that we expect in midfield, isn't it? Yeah, more than likely. Um, I know um, every, well, certainly all four of us want to see Naby get in and, and do fantastic. You know, we know there's a player in there. We, we've all seen his qualities in, in flashes and and burst here and there. We know his numbers are really high. Um, Ox has picked up a little ankle injury today, apparently. Um, so that pushes him maybe, uh, it's only a little slight sprain. I'm sure he'll be fine, uh, come Sunday the 21st. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think the, the, the three will be the three that you said, Trev. Um, it's a trusted three now. It's the three that's, uh, predominantly helped us, um, Get us to 27 wins out of 29, uh, with one draw and one defeat. Um, obviously, Fab missed a few games, but like I say, they've played the majority of the games this season. They've played the majority of the minutes. 
they've all had a good rest now. They're fresh. You know, they're ready to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, like, like Carl said, we've got embarrassment of Richard in midfield. Um, we're short on, I still think we're short on quality up, up top. Um, I still think, you know, we need to look at getting somebody in, uh, during the summer to, um, help ease the burden on the front three because they can't play every game. If we want to challenge for four trophies next season, you can't expect the front three to play 60 games each. It's just impossible. Well, you've, you've, you've raised a really interesting topic. I've heard it on numerous AI shows, and I think we should have our spin at it now. Because, Carl, I know you've written about the Timo Werner signing, lack of signing thing. Um, and oddly, for myself, I didn't get around to your piece yet. So whatever your opinion, that will be new to me. Um, and I know that, um, Guy, you'll have overheard discussions about what's necessary in terms of mm-hmm. transfer income uh, on umpteen different shows and I think we should have our little dig at it now because I've seen many many Reds uh, the first uh, time of asking um, they they went straight to misery setting one and got very antsy about the fact that we weren't getting a lad in or whatever and whereas I want us to be signing all the good players all the time I think what Jurgen said was the most insightful aspect to it Uh, what Jurgen said was Basically, let's have a little bit of common sense because we don't know what the market is. We don't know what the world looks like financially. And this is this is stuff that I was saying months ago and I assumed everybody else would row in behind. But, but you know, when the opportunity arose, uh, everyone was like as excited as ever about transfers and the money didn't seem to matter and nobody seemed to take into account what the global scenario is. So I want I want us to talk. Let's take the money thing off the table because it's absolutely unpredictable, and we've heard rumours that it was financial reasons that Liverpool didn't push the the Werner thing over the line. But maybe we should just put that to one side because we don't really know what we're talking about. And anyone you hear who is pontificating about ins and outs in terms of the money at the club. They are not taking into account global markets. They are not taking into account the absolute embarrassment of being the only dopes who go splurging big money in a window where nobody else does. So it's a really one-off situation. I think we should not embarrass ourselves by getting too heavily into the money thing. If you've got an opinion about it, fine, say it if you want to. But I, I don't think we can predict it, so I don't think we should talk about it. What I do think we should talk about is whether or not we think places need filling. And Cam has started the ball rolling here, uh, Guy, by saying that in Cam's opinion, we need someone up top. Um, and I've heard, I'll just just in a nutshell, I've heard people go through the defense and more or less say, if X goes, then we're going to be okay. Midfield, we've heard the phrase embarrassment of riches now a couple of times. What do you think about the attack? Are we okay with the likes of Div? Shaq looks like he might be on his on his uh, way out. What do we, how do you think we're fixed in the attack? Um... I think we do need more. I think we've even seen this season, outside of Everton games, Origi's not played well. I think it's fair. So, and Arsenal. And Arsenal. Because they're both shit. Um, I, think we, I think Origi... It's probably harsh looking back now and, and all that, but I think we should have sold him after the Champions League final because his value would never been higher. And I know it. I know it's blasphemous and stuff. Yeah, and I've heard um, Cam bring it up a few times. But he was never, he was never going to break through, and he was never going to be anywhere near the level of any of our front three in any of the positions. Um, 
And that's why we wanted Timo Werner. Obviously, he can pretty much play all three of the positions um, and at a high level. Um, and that's why we wanted him. So I think we're definitely looking at that position, but we definitely need it. I think Shakiri. I mean, we all remember December of last season. It was a nice month. But other than that, and the Barca game, he's not really done too much in a Liverpool shirt. Origi is the biggest purple patch player in the history of football, I presume. Uh, Minamino, I think we... I've, Minamino... I'm sorry, can I just going to say Bruno Sharuba. Carry on. But, uh, I think... Br- Divock's purple patch is bigger than Bruno Sheru's, I reckon. <laughs> mm. um, and Minamino, there's a big, not not a question mark, because that's a bit, but he's very early. We don't know, we don't know where he's going to play, what his role will be. Is he just going to be back up to Bobby? Is he going to form into a number eight in midfield or whatever? But we still need more than just Minamino covering three world-class players. So we definitely need one more. And obviously the financial side, risking a player who, would have cost 50-odd mil with his release clause. You can see why it doesn't. And obviously Chelsea, it's a release clause. We can't stop Chelsea bidding and then them offering stupid wages. Um, more wages than what Van Dijk and Salah and Barney are on. So and maybe he would have joined us for less wages, but as, as you said, finances. Who, know, who knows what the crack would have been. So we definitely need one more. It's just about who we can afford. Like, I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to, because I, I watch Premier League predominantly. I'm not saying go buy Zaha, who I don't think is any good for like 60 mil. It's like, pick someone in between Werner and Origi if needs be, even if it's on a short, short-term deal. But that's probably the one area in the in the team I think we need a bit, of, a quite a bit of work really, because I just, I don't trust Origi. Shakiri's broken and Minamino is, is brand new pretty much. It's very hard to argue with any of that. Um, I'm going to let you try to if you want, Carl, or if you've got a different take. Uh, I don't think Origi's that bad, to be honest. But I, but I get your point. I, I wrote something about um, uh, about about the the European Cup final <laughs> last week and mentioned that no one seems to remember the fact that because it's been beautifully forgotten for obvious reasons, but God Divock stung the ground out when he came on. Yeah, he, really absolutely. Was, he was absolutely terrible. Mm. He was he was desperate, their best centre half. He really was. Never never missed the white shirt, and, and then he goes and scores the goal, so no one cares, including me. I think it's um it's an interesting situation to be in. I know why we didn't get Werner, and I think that is a financial thing because you know the world's gone mad. Um, and also I, I wrote this in my piece about um about. For Chelsea, it's a no-brainer. They've got Tammy Abraham, who's a kid, and I think he's going to be a really, really good kid. Um, but they've also got Olivier Giroud, who's 117 years old, and is probably going to go to Spurs. So, you know, they need they need that big, big sign. And we don't need to buy Firmino again. Um, we just need someone, Firmino light, uh, around there. Although if, if, if Lewandowski fancies a, you know, looking at houses in Ainsdale, then that's fine by me. I'll be fully on, that, on board that. Um, I, I think we, to be honest, I think we need cover. We, we do need another striker. I think we need cover for the fullbacks as well because they do more work than anyone else on the pitch, arguably, as well, just because they're up and down all the time. And Robertson always looks just a little bit injured to me. Like he's always carrying something because mm. it's hardly surprising, like, with the amount of work he gets through. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing someone behind them occasionally, too. Mm. I think you need that. I'd be, I'd be, wholeheartedly in agreement and I think I don't know was it 
you'll be able to tell me um, better than than I'll recall, Guy, because you're basically um, on the line for all these pods. But I'm fairly positive. It was I was listening to Dave recently. It could be even in the solo show saying like for him a left a cover for left back uh, and and a top midfielder and a, a an attacker that would be the dream mm-hmm. um if not the necessity well i think listen to, to the two lads and yourself the, the attacker is pretty much a necessity mm-hmm. uh, if we want to push on um because we don't seem to have that um, obvious character coming through the ranks either on the fringes of the first team or in the youth setup whereas at right back I think Nico Williams has really lifted his hand up and said, yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm good to cover. Uh, left back, maybe not so much with LaRucci. So I can see, and I'd agree very, very heartily with, with, uh, with Carl there. Um, but the, and, and the striker situation, I think, I think we all are pretty much in concurrence there. I love Div. And for me, I just keep paying him for the rest of his life, to be honest. Uh, and, and I understand the point you're making about like the cynical he idea. He not have to play football. <laughs> no, he doesn't have to play football, for fuck's sake. He can just, just put him in the stand. Just yeah. put him in the stand so we can look at him. He can be around. Uh, people can walk around him. Human um, statue. Beautiful. Yeah, you know. Oh. But, 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 oh. <laughs> Topical. but, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not go toppling Div just yet. Uh, to be honest, I, 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 I have a little bit of a higher opinion of him, I think, than, than anybody who's, who's opined so far. Um, but I also can see, um, that there's just not enough there. So we're all agreed on an attacker. Most of us, I think, are agreed on, a, on, on, uh, a left back. Uh, the midfield is up for debate. Um, it depends on your, on your preference. Well, what do you uh, make of the, uh, Judy situation, Trev? Sorry, jump in. Cause he's obviously in a bit of a, not a dispute, but his contract's up at the end of next season, isn't it? So. It is, and I think, to be honest with you, there's another lad I just pay for the rest of his life. Uh, and I, 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 I know Carl Kopek thinks about Ginny Ronaldo the same way I do. I just, I, I adore the lad as a footballer. I think he's just, I think he's outrageously good and outrageously effective and, and massively underrated. And I know that he can go missing occasionally in inverted commas. I know that maybe he does actually because he doesn't necessarily get through the the foot in stuff that you would expect for someone who's like accused of being having a quiet game. But I think he's been absolutely essential to everything good that's happened at the club uh, since Klopp has been around. So for me, Jenny Wijnaldum, you just, you, you keep him around at all costs. And I hope that happens because by far one of the best pictures I've seen in recent times, it was just the most beautiful thing. Like clearly Jenny, uh, Jenny's like a clearly just aesthetically uh, gorgeous man. And I saw a picture of him posing in the short sleeve version of the 85-86 double winning kit. And I just went, well, okay, well, just put that in a museum somewhere because that's perfection. And I want that guy, <laughs> I want that guy hanging around uh, is the short answer uh, guy. And I mean, I, I hope that happens. But I do want to get into the, into a question around the defense. Before I do, and Cam, I'm going to start with you. Before I do, I've heard several people opine that we, we could, we'd be all right in defence, even if we lost. The likelihood is that uh, Degsy Lovren is going to go um, because it, we, we could still get some money for him and he is unlikely to get many minutes if uh, Joe is fit and firing, if if uh, Joel is fit and firing, uh, and if the kids who we've got coming through, our two Dutch boys, are on the fringes genuinely. 
like Keanu Hoover seems to be. Um, so I've, I've heard a lot of people opine that, look, we're, we're okay there. We're covered because worst case scenario, Fabinho can stand in there and, 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 and we're okay. We don't necessarily need a center half. Um, I think that's all fine until one or two injuries hit, but you know, I'm willing to go with it before we start. And I want to get your take on center half and cover there. Um, can anyone remind me why it is that Degsy Lover has been totally cancelled lately? Because I've been out of the loop. I think it's something to do with David Icke. Or was it something... Uh, he joined he... Twitter straight away. He... He's got on a right wing. <laughs> His right wing <laughs> tendencies have shown <laughs> pretty much. Have they? But is yeah. that real? Is that real, uh, Guy or, or, or Cam? Or is it? Is it one of those things that... like he everybody's was liking so... Trump tweets within minutes of making his account again. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. So I, I was, I thought it might have been the Precious Brigade who saw, saw him saying something about free speech there, there or something a, like that. There was a David Icke thing as well, but I can't remember. That yeah, well. it was to do with the coronavirus. Where he was saying it? Snake, basically. You see, you, you see, yeah. I actually, a part of me actually liked that, and I was like, "Fair fuck, Stacey, go ahead, go, go, go ahead, lad. That's that's all right." But I do, uh, yeah, okay. Right, if he's got, if he's leaning into Trump liking, that's all right. Okay, so Dexy's cancelled. Uh, first of all, Car- uh, uh, Cam, give me your take on whether or not you think he's going to go and whether you care or not. And second of all, do you think we need cover there if he does? Okay, just quickly, uh, we met Ginny Wijnaldum's brother in uh, Madrid last year. So, uh, nice. And he's, a, and he's as lovely as as Ginny seems. He was genuinely really, really nice. Real so nice you, 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 you had words with him, had a bit of a chat? Yeah, we were trying to get tickets out of him and he, he actually <laughs> took a number. He phoned us back uh uh, said he had a ticket, gave us a price, and we said, "Yeah, no thanks." So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very polite. Uh, name dropping is phenomenal on the show. It really is. I, I don't know. Why I, I, I don't <laughs> so know why I stick around. I'll, I'll, so I'll never be a cutback. I'll never be a cutback. You know, no, no, uh, nobody's nobody's on that level. So yeah. sorry. Go, so, go ahead. Go uh, ahead yeah, I, I I would happily see Dexy gone. Um, uh, I've over the years I've um, just lost complete faith in him as a a footballer to play at the standard we we require. Um if you want to consistently be um winning or challenging for trophies, you need players of the highest highest quality. So if Degsy's Degsy's apparently pushing for a move, he knows his days are numbered. He knows he's behind uh, Joe and Joel. Um so he's he knows he's fourth choice. And as a but as a fourth choice, he is a good fourth choice. I get that. If he's gone, um, I, there is a little rumor going around that uh, Thiago Silva is uh, available on a throw in the summer. Mm, I heard that. And, and um, you get Thiago Silva in, he, even as a fourth choice, just imagine some of the qualities he's got and what he could teach people like Joel and Joe Gomez, and maybe even help Virgil become an even better defender. Which, well, which, can I can, can I just say because that's a great point you brought you brought up. Can I just say that that's a real thing the champions would do. That's a real what? Sorry, that's a real thing champions would do. Yeah, take it take in a player of that renown and ability and experience and glory, and just just you know get him in and around the squad. Yeah, I mean, if, at the end of the day, if he wants to win a Champions League next season, he's got more chance of winning with Liverpool than Man City. Yeah. Because I let's think, be honest. Yeah. I think City are going to buy a lot, though, in the summer. I really do. All over the place. They're getting they seriously will. old. They're getting old, that team. 
No, they, they they are going to they are going to have the mother and father of all spending sprees so that your man can walk away after this season coming, uh, having won something major, whether it is regained the Premier League or won the Champions League. I well, think they won't the be in the Champions League next season. Let's be honest. We know that they're going to either have a two-year or a one-year ban. I think it will go down to a one-year ban. With do we? Do we, do we know? No, I, I, think, I think so, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not putting my mortgage on it, um, but I, I, I can't see UEFA or, you know, somebody losing. I think they gave a two-year ban for a reason. Yeah. Because they knew it would go to appeal and it would be halved. Exactly. You do it till you bring it down. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Well, obviously, the decision's out in July. So the, the case is finished now, hasn't it? They appealed, they appealed this week. And um, what I didn't realise, well, because I never thought of it rather than that, but is that um, Guardiola hasn't won the European Cup since 2011. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a massive thing if he's not in the competition. Ten it's years. Not. He's definitely going to try and sign Messi, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's but, going to be. But, but, he can but, everyone he can. But it'll be for the season after next, at best, is what you're saying. So... Um, I think that muddies the waters a little bit on this spending spree thing. Um, they'll do it anyway, but just how big they do it is going to be interesting to watch. Oh, they're after Ben Chilwell, another fullback. That's probably more than we've spent in like the whole of FSG just on fullbacks for them. <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah, without doubt. I mean, just to get your take on that, I do like I do like Mendy though. Mendy makes me laugh a lot. That social media thing was fucking hilarious. Yeah, and um, you know what? You know what? He's a good. He's a good. He's a good footballer. Yes, like he he is a good footballer. He seems to get abuse for some reason, but he's a good footballer. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, he's just he's, a bit daft and is made out. Oh, of he's crisps. not. He's made out of crisps as well. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, which doesn't help. Do you know what I'm to about that? He got told off by the manager for being on social media, so he tweeted, "No problem, boss." That's fantastic. That is good. That is good. I will just just wrap us up on this topic, then, um, guy yourself with the centre half take. I mean, if it's um, uh, if it's uh, Big Virgil and and Joe and uh, and Joel and Kiana Hoover with Fabinho stepping in mm-hmm. as we go as we go into next season, are you happy enough? Yeah, I'm all right with that. I mean, I, I'm I'm with Cam there. I've, I've wanted Love and Gun a long time. Uh, I, know, I know Carl's a big, probably the biggest fan on a hear of him, but I, I've I've put him in the minulay in my beloved Albie camp. It's people we needed out of the club for multiple reasons. And I think Wash your mouth out was so I like said beloved. Albie. How dare How you? How dare you put Albie in there? But he's a, can, you cannot give Guy a drink and abuse yeah. about abusing Albie. Uh, I defended him. He can't abuse. I can, and I didn't. I just said he needs (laughs) to be out because he needs to spread his joy to other countries. (laughs) 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 Um, He he needs to get on his his hoverboard, absolutely, uh, and get 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 out and abroad and play. I'll I'll, I'll just say, Trav, I'll be signing him first. How dare you? <laughs> Over Lovren. Right. <laughs> just yeah. will. But no, I just think Lovren's the last of that minion. Well, the the Brendan shite, really, let's be honest. Um, yeah. I think that's just what it is. But in terms of the replacement, I mean, if we can get Koulibaly for 12 pence, I'm not going to turn him down, but I'm perfectly, yeah. I'm perfectly happy with what we've got. And as you say, Fabinho uh, can fill in as well. And we've mentioned how in-depth the midfield is. So if Fabinho has to move back a few, few feet to fill in at centre-back, 
we've got options in midfield, so that's happy days. We might have to bring in one of the other twelve internationals we've got yeah. to play in midfield. Oh no, we'll have to play our sixty pound mid million pound midfielder. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the, 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 it's an interesting thing, and it was very much a bugbear of mine for a while, it was getting rid of the, the last of the Brendan crew, as you call them. And I think it's beautiful to see that the, the, the elephant in the, in the, in the corner is, uh, Jordan Brian Henderson. Uh, and he's I'm, I'm crew. <laughs> he's, yeah, exactly. He is. He is a Kenny signing. So, but I think it's just delightful to see him because, and, and to be fair, Breno tried to get rid of him. So um, I, I think it's lovely. It's, it just every day I, I, I read more about that guy. It makes me happier, I have to say. Um, really does give me a warm feeling inside. Much like the statement uh, I read during the week from, from Shrewsbury Town, um, because t- the, the, the horse has bolted, the stable door has closed, and yet during the week, and this has been replayed and put up on tweets even today by Sky Sports, who love an anti-Liverpool spin if they can get one. Um, they put, came out with this statement. You will recall our incredible comeback in the FA Cup fourth round uh, live on BBC with Liverpool to draw 2-2 back in January. Get your head around this and prepare for the smallest violins ever. Immediately following the match, the Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp ruined what should have been a wonderful moment for our club by making public statements that he and all his first team players would not attend the replay at Anfield, effectively ruining what should have been just not just financially, but for the players and fans, a wonderful achievement and, and a very special occasion. You shouldn't have uh, fucking won. But he ruined it, Carl. He ruined it. Well, he didn't get beat 7 0 instead. Fuck off, you prick. It's absolutely stunning, and it's the smallest time thing I've seen ever. I don't like the idea of digging at small clubs or clubs that are on the up or clubs that are not Premier League status or whatever the uh, politically correct term to say about them is. I don't like doing it. I love to give them their props, give them their their dues, give them their druthers. But to be honest, when you come out when you come out with whingy crap like that, it's on a par with that absolutely horrendous Man City banner from last week. And what is that? Like, what are they doing there? It's pathetic. I mean, Cam, you've seen this. I mean, what, what, why do you, why do you think, I think, (laughs) I suspect you'll think the same as me. Why do you think Sky Sports are pushing this so hard during the week? Even today, after it's a non-event and it came out a couple of days ago, they, one of their tweets there about five o'clock in the evening was a big picture of Kloppo and selected quotes about Jürgen ruined it for us. Because they're all not parts. Yeah, they've got nothing else to talk about, to be honest. Yeah, they're just bored. And, um, <laughs> Jim White's twiddling his thumbs. Exactly. occasionally. It, it, it's utterly pathetic. There was a agreed winter break, which Klopp has been pushing for ever since he's, he's come to Liverpool. And it, they knew they were going to go on a winter break. The FA messed up in not thinking this thinking this through that oh if there's replays when are we going to play these replays why don't we just move the you know try and jiggle it around in a better way so that maybe there are no replays this year we have to take that into account because you know there's always two games in January for the FA Cup so replays are going to be an issue here Let's, let, you know at the end of the day the foresight from everybody involved was really really poor so in Shrewsbury, like Carl said, 
quite simply, they should have gone to Anfield, beaten the kids, and who did who were Liverpool, who did Liverpool play in the next round? Chelsea. Chelsea. They could have had a tie against Chelsea. So that was that wasn't good enough for them to beat you know Liverpool and then go and play Chelsea and get the payday there as well. They could have actually mm-hmm. had extra money if they'd actually beaten Liverpool. They would have got more than they would have just from the one game then, wouldn't they? Surely, you know, unless my maths is completely wrong here, by playing an extra game, you don't get extra money. Yeah. Just beat us and that becomes a moot point. You didn't beat us, you didn't beat our kids. Shame, isn't it? And also, that lucky score was a prick. Oh, <laughs> such a prick. And, and look, I've got I've to gotta say, it's... It's just small time. And I, I want to hear, I, I want to, this podcast to be an opportunity because in the spirit of some green grass and a ball, what we want to do is talk about interesting football stories. But you have to also call out the apparent blatant bullshit and small timery when you see it. And that's just whinging. And it's got no place in the game. And I, just, I did want to give it a minute. I've posted something into the chats that I want you to have a look at there as I describe it because it's an instant meme. It's Takumi Minamino walking in one direction as all of the Blackburn defence are staggered and staring in the opposite direction and the ball is nestling in the back of the net. I think that is one of the images uh, of the year so far. It's absolutely gorgeous and I hope it's a sign of things to come. We have some other things that I want to talk about as well and then I'm going to leave the floor open to yourselves. Guy Drinkle, did you know that the Premier League champions elect according to Jimmy Pierce on Twitter, are on course to top the Fair Play League for a fourth successive season. No team collects fewer yellows or makes fewer fouls. Uh, tactics, discipline, psychology, says James, behind Klopp's Liverpool uh, are about keeping it clean. Um, very interesting, that, isn't it? It's a very interesting thing. I mean, look, we were just uh, eulogising about Graham Sooners there. I, I take no particular pride in the fact that we're top of the Fair Play League. Uh, in fact, I don't take any pride in it. But at the same time, I'm not one of these, like, I, I need all my players to be hard men. I think it's really interesting. I think James makes a good point that we are playing football in the correct fashion. Uh, and as a result, this sort of the inefficiency that's associated with fouling is not required. That's probably the way to look at it, the scientific perspective, isn't it? I think, we're just, I think bottom line, we're just a clever team. We, we can we can turn on the shithousery like a tap. Um I mean, Fabinho's kind of morphing into Fernandinho now, where he'll get away with murder a few tackles, and if he does, he just won't, he'll just become like the cleanest tackler in football. Yeah. Um. It it it's quite amazing how we do. I mean, Ginny has Ginny ever fouled anyone in football ever? I don't think he has. He, he's won every tackle I've probably can remember clean. Henderson Henderson lost his head a couple times, but probably since Klopp's came in, or these last couple of years, he's... he's... He, did, he did it all Trafford. Yeah. He went, he went nuts at all Trafford. Yeah. Uh, Milner, the most experienced man in the world at everything. I mean, um, did he get sent off Palace a couple of years ago? Yeah. And that's the yeah. last one I remember. So I think the, these last couple of years where we've been one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world, we, we've just kind of became clever as a team. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's it, really. I think Trent, people talk up his defensive deficiencies. He read, he rarely gets roasted unless Sane is playing, which seems to be his mm-hmm. problem, Charles. Um, Robbo is a bit of a twat, but he's our twat, but he doesn't get booked. <laughs> Robbo, <laughs> yeah. Phil. Yeah. He's 
filth like that. Absolutely, but um, our cent- our centre backs must be the cleanest centre backs in the league. As they never slide mm-hmm. tackle, they never desperate. Tackle. Well, Virgil never tackles, does he? he just he doesn't have to. He just like give me the ball. He, just, he gently <laughs> caresses. To, just go over there. Like. Give me the ball, and I won't beat you up. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just lovely. We're just so nice. <laughs> uh, but but that, that, to be fair, that. Sorry, Carl, I was just going to say, that probably would have been a criticism of a few years ago, but it's weird how a nice team is now not something to be celebrated, as you said in the question, Trev, but it becomes a clever team rather than a soft thing, if you get what I mean. It's it's a clever team. It's a team doing things the right way, and as you say, if needs be, uh, and that's really well put, the shithousery can come on at will, and we have enough lads now who can do it, as you've highlighted, um, and it's a tactic now a deliberate tactic as opposed to a lot of lads charging about throwing in daft fouls uh you know much as i loved him uh, as a fella lads lucasing it in the lucas oh, zone God, uh, we don't we don't have that anymore and that's, that's Milner that. sometimes does Milner sometimes does jimmy miller J- jimmy miller breaks lads up uh, in a very efficient and cynical way <laughs> Jimmy Miller, if you, I, 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 I take you back to Jimmy Miller on Neymar, and Glorious. he, 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 he broke that lad. He yeah. broke him psychologically because Neymar was just sort of almost crying because he's like, how can he be allowed to do this? And Jimmy's just tetly teeing it down the wing after him, and it's just fantastic. So I think he's actually a little bit more cynical and controlled than you might think, but I do get what your point. He can look a little bit he can look a little bit wild or reckless at times. Yeah. But, but I, I think it's an important thing, uh, aspect to his game. What I fear is that the moment that Gary Neville often describes where his legs go actually happens live during a game when we're watching it. I hope it doesn't happen for years. I hope he's still playing at 39 or 40, and I think he could be because he's a one-off. Um, but I do worry about that aspect of the of the tackling if he was to su- suddenly find himself like just not able to to keep pace in that regard in terms of reading the game. But um, Sorry, you were going to say something about that, and then we'll move on to our next topic. I, I was going to just mention, I've mentioned it before, but I love to say this so much about... Um, Last season, last season feels like two years ago, when we played Wolves at Molyneux and Adama Traore was running down the wing and um, Virgil was, was keeping up, but not really just keeping up with him. He was basically just running next to him and trudging along. And you can see him looking at his face as if to say, what are you going to do with that? Yes. Where, where's that going? Yeah. And, and he absolutely had him in his head. Um, but what, what I also say is about the tackling thing is you tackle a lot if you're not as good as your opponent. So one of the reasons that one of the lowest points I've ever felt as a Liverpool fan was the FA Cup semi-final against Aston Villa. And I've written about this a lot, is the fact that we were playing a team who were begging to be relegated. They battered us on the day and we made five fouls. And that's not good enough. If oh, you're losing that was a... my 21st birthday. Was Ooh. it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Genius. Yes. I was... Um... Uh, uh, that, that day, uh, just, uh, if, if you're losing and you're losing to a side who you should be beating, but it's not going well, you get your studs in and Liverpool didn't do it and that was such a disappointing time. We don't do it now because we don't need to because we're better than the opposition. It's as simple as that and that's why people go through us or go through our lads all the time because that's what you have to do to beat teams who are better than you sometimes. You get it dirty and you bring it down to your level because you can't match theirs. That's something Klopp said when he first came to the club. Yeah. He goes, um, he was asked the question, how are you going to beat 
these teams that are obviously right now better than you. He goes, well, sometimes you you have to bring them to your level. You can't get to their level yet. Yeah. No one no one runs well when they've got James Milner's boots across their shin. Does not bring them down a bit. Now, you've, in your discussion there, you've, you've raised an interesting point. I know Guy Drinkle won't have an opinion on this straight away, but the fascinating possibility and it could be it could be just the daftest of paper talk um of liverpool signing adama traore came up um uh, you'll have seen this guy because um it a lot of escaped your attention as a fan um and i i love the car brought it up there because that's one of my moments of that campaign as well is just watching virgil watching him and watching him deciding Oh fuck it! I, what, what am I supposed to do with this lad? Uh, you know, and he, he, in other words, uh, he he had what's his name? What's his name that doesn't want to come back and play football because he, he's concerned about the the virus? Uh, for Can't say. no, for the oh, Watford. Troy Deeney. He, he he had a Troy Deeney moment, except of course, fucking Troy Deeney managed to have a a a, a worldy in his last uh, performance against us, but Adama did have that moment. But I will say, Guy, and I'm going to go to you first in this, I'll take Cam and Carl's opinion in that order then on this lad, just as the one-off uh, a bit of transfer talk that we'll do in terms of uh, Premier League stuff. It could be completely daft, Guy, but as Kevin Keegan said, I would love it if we got him. <laughs> I think there's two ways of looking at it. He's 100% not a clock player. I mean, if you ever watch him off the ball, he'll stand still. Yeah. But he is the most unique threat in football. <laughs> and why wouldn't you want that in your team? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. And you, as you say, Virgil, I mean, he's not exactly scoring like 30 goals and 30 assists every season. But if we're, if we're picking out only Virgil van Dijk can match him physically, we have Virgil van Dijk, so <laughs> that's all the people's problems if we haven't. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Imagine a twin-pronged attack of them moving down the wing together. Uh, I think that's interesting, but I'm going to take what you said there and, and hop it off Cambridge. Uh, Guy reckons that Adama Traor is, is just absolutely not a club player and that he doesn't have the work rate off the ball. Is that is that your estimation of him as well? Yeah, I mean, I I I, I see what excites people. I don't see an awful lot of end product from him because obviously he's not playing Virgil every week. Um, he he has moments. Would his game be raised at Liverpool? Yeah, of course it. I think. Well, I, I think potentially it would because he's playing alongside better players, and theoretically, if you play alongside better players, you become you should become a, a, a better player yourself because you should be learning off these players. You should be, you know, you're working with these players week in, week out. You're working with, uh, you know, probably the best coaching setup in world football right now. If you're not improving under them, you're not improving under anyone. So could he, could he bring something to the team? Possibly. Have I seen anything in his game right now that says to me, apart from his raw pace and his power, have I seen anything else? Not really. Imagine the space he'd create for Trent though. You got to mark him with seven people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then doesn't Sadio do that anyway, or or Mo well, Salah do that anyway? They'll have more space as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, actually, let me let me finish this particular chunk of the show then by 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 twisting the question back at you, young Kapak, with a little spin on it, which is you've mentioned Sadio Mane, and that was your thing of the two things that I thought came together nicely there. Um, for me, Sadio Mane has been absolutely our player of the season and massively responsible for why we are where we are. Uh, I rate him so immensely highly, I can't even begin to tell you. I think he's our most important attacker. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that denigrate Mo Salah. I think Mo Salah might, might actually be like an all-time Liverpool uh, uh, 11 if, 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 if he puts another season together. However, Sadio Mane right now, I think, is our most important attacker. Be interested to hear your take on that. And also... Uh, Adama Traore as a Liverpool player or a potential Liverpool player, what's your take on that? Well, Traore, the, the one thing that worries me about him is that we buy players like that, then he becomes Jermaine Pennant. That That is always a bit of a worry for me. Oof, yeah. um, I, I, I think we've got a bit of a history of that. Uh, Robbie Keane, you know, things like that go, go on. Um, I don't think he does it enough. I know he's brilliant at City, he's brilliant against us, but then he, he plays against Norris and does nothing. You know, and, and that's no good. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be massively excited. I'm not saying he's a bad player, I wouldn't be massively excited if we if we bought him. Um, uh, I, I get to say the sentence every week, Trevor, and here it is again. I think Sadio Mane is the best footballer in the world. I do, and I know Ronaldo and I know Messi, but they're on they're on different levels. But I think Sadio Mane is easily the best player in Europe at the moment. If you sort of stop looking at those two, well, because I think he's because he's coming on the way up, isn't he? The other two are finished, lads are finishing off. But yeah. I just I think he's the player in the Liverpool side is straight away when he gets the ball. I'm thinking. Right now, we're, now, now, where we're going, and I don't really, even with Mo, I don't get that because now Mo's got the selfish thing going on, which, which I'm a big fan of. But, um, but with Sadio, I'm thinking he's only got six lads in front of him, so we can discount five of them straight away, you know, because he's, he's 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 on that level really. He's just a phenomenal footballer. He really is. You've given me a lovely, you've given me a lovely segue. What, 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 what do you, I've got a lovely segue. You're going to disagree. Okay. Go on. Go on. <laughs> brain sheet, the brain sheet grenade is rolled into the discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting into my car and I know where you live. Yeah. I'll, I'll find out yeah, where man. you live. Let's go. Let's be honest. You won't be able to park up and get out of the car. No. So. Yeah. I'll get a bus from wherever I park. <laughs> um, I, I I love Sadio Mane. I, I, he's 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 a fantastic footballer, but for me, he's still our second best attacker. Um, oh, Mo Salah is is a, is above him. Mo Salah is a better player for me, and uh, Mo Salah, what he, he he creates more space for the others because he'll get doubled up. He'll sometimes get tripled up, and that space, and he still manages to find a way of getting that ball to another player. And that space that he's creating because opposition is so worried about Mo is making it a little bit easier. Not a lot easier, but a little bit easier for, for our other attackers and our other players. Mo averages just under four shots a game and his, his conversion is, is, is one in two. You know, he's, he, this season he's, he's averaging one goal in every two. Um, which is the same as what Sadio's doing at the moment. So they're both playing at an incredibly high level, but I still think, for me personally, Mo is the better player. I think on the whole, possibly on their careers, when they're added up, I think you, 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 the weighting will come down in favour of Mo, and his numbers over his career at Liverpool are absolutely absurd. Yeah, they're not, they're not numbers. They should be illegal numbers. They, they just don't make any sense. They make no sense, and 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 there is for some reason a small 
maybe an unfortunately large cohort who don't appreciate Mo Salah for what he is. And I, I appreciate you making the point, but I would just still say that just on this season alone, I just think Sadio has been so important. And in this, in the previous campaign, he was equally important for getting that kind of what they call in, in rugby, that go ahead score where you, he put us, a, he put us in front in games. And when we get in front, we don't tend to get beaten, and I just think he's 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 massively important. No, and there's Car- a massive argument for both for me. Yeah, as Carl says, I just, I just ne- th- let's let's just put it this way. Neither, for me, neither argument is wrong. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. We're not we're not talking about Ricky Lambert against um, Christian Benteke, are we? I want Balotelli back. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> and I thought fucking Benteke was bad. I know that's just a random shout that you've put in for comedy value at the end, but were you actually a fan of Mario? Do you think he got harshly treated, guy? Uh, yes, but he has history. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he, yeah, didn't, I, know, he yeah. didn't know who Joe Allen was, and I can't forgive that. That's that's horrendous. <laughs> that is that's horrendous. Joe Allen, Joe Allen made it onto the onto the uh, the cover of Chicken Farmers Weekly or exactly. whatever. And that's. That's yeah, proper, he, he, he that's loves him, celebrity. You know, that's proper celebrity. Yeah, he's, uh, a, he's a dirty man, anyway. So, I, I, I would not accept Joe Allen slander. Yeah. Man fan. So that good? Joe Allen is a Man United fan. Yeah, where are you getting, so are you getting this from? Yeah. He's, he's a Man United fan. Okay. It's, yeah, 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 but it's glorious because he, he he scored a few goals against Man United. It's just fantastic. He's brilliant at all. Trafford in 2014. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. If he was a bit taller, he'd be a club player. Absolutely. I've got. I. I. I, I won't. If he was him. a bit better, he would have been a savvy. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> is that a Brendan? Is that you, love? <laughs> <laughs> we draw. Uh, Jesus Christ! You're bringing us right down some dark rabbit holes here. That's unbelievable. Uh, I I I want to start. I want to move it move it away from football for the last ten minutes because I'm just aware we're now just on. Uh, are we, are we not going to talk about John Barnes's bookshelf? We are, we're going to talk about John Barnes. <laughs> we're going to talk about John Barnes to finish, and it's it, like I say, move it away from football. We're going to talk about John Barnes to finish because uh, Carl in the in the. Uh, over the course of today or yesterday, just uh, suggested this uh, John Barnes documentary, which uh, we had all had a look at at different times. I think Cam, I'm, I'm not, I could be wrong here, man. I don't want to be. I don't want to be uh, saying anything one way or the other. But I think it might have been the first time you'd seen it. It was. Yeah. I think. Done, I think it was done for ITV. I saw it a couple of years ago. You can tell by the. Um by the dressing room when he sits in the dressing room. It's got Ricky Lambert's shirt on the wall. There you go. 2015 documentary. Uh, got Sterling and Suarez there as well. If you if you put it into YouTube, I can guarantee you an absolutely delightful three quarters of an hour um, because it's a study of a man who is savagely misunderstood and savagely uh, uh, attacked for having the audacity to be eloquent, to be thoughtful, Again, the, uh, the 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 politically correct brigade come at him. Um, he says things that he believes. You don't have to believe them, but I do think you have a cheek if you're, uh, uh, especially of a paler pallor, and you're telling John Barnes how to believe and how to think about a topic like racism. I think you've got a cheek. I think you've got the same kind of cheek that we see uh, in quite a lot of. Uh, the uh, protest situations going on at the moment. Um, 
where I saw some absolutely devastated business owners, um, African-Americans coming in and saying, would you please stop wrecking our town, our city, our neighborhood? And I saw some um, ill-advised um, uh, white kids piping up about how they were thinking about it more correctly. And I think, you know, Johnny Barnes has a lot of that coming at him. But what we love him for, first and foremost, is not the fact that he is very eloquent, is not the fact that he's thoughtful, is not the fact that he can be uh, uh, very loquacious and interesting on numerous topics. It's the fact that he is one of, and for some people, the best footballer that ever put on Liverpool jersey uh, in their lifetime. And I watched this afternoon, having just reminded myself that, yes, this is the documentary I watched before, and I loved it. I watched, the, at the moment, on the Liverpool uh, official website, there's a COP10, John Barnes' best goals for Liverpool. Now, the 10 they've selected, five of those goals are right-footed finishes. And four of those right-footed finishes are curlers to the top corner from distance. And I'm afraid that just says all I need to say about John Barnes. He was as technically beautiful a footballer as I have ever watched. And he's the only one, the only one that rivals Kenny for me on a level of just sheer brilliance that I watched in a red shirt. Carl, you're the one who brought this up. Let's finish our show today talking a little bit about Johnny Barnes and celebrating a legend of our club. Talk to me a little bit about him. But what that documentary shows me more than anything else is in his off the field views is just a we all know he's very clever he's very funny uh, I love the bit where he picks on the kid for sport Man United and then hugs him afterwards brilliant I like that that's just a really nice thing and there's a bit where he says you know what's your biggest strength and he says humility he says what's your biggest weakness and he laughs and says it's probably humility as well <laughs> because um, I read if anyone's read the book by Pete Davis called All Played Out about the 1990 World Cup. He says, basically, I am quite a lazy man. Uh, and he recognises that within himself as well. But um, I, I just think if he's not involved in the club, I don't know if he is, if he's not involved in the club, he should be. Just because, it, again, it, it's his lightness of touch. He doesn't go in all guns blazing. He just does, he, he takes things with such a grace. So they mentioned when he was manager of Celtic, when they got beat 3-1 by um, Inverness Caledonian Thistles, uh, they said, you know, can you? They said, can you laugh at that now? And he goes, I laughed at the time; it was funny. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just it's like that. You know, that was one of the embarrassing moments of his career. But you just okay, it's it's life. You know, you've just got to take it that way. Yeah. And um, there's just something about the mixture of discipline he had, and um, and just just the frightening ability. And I, I went to every home game in that season when he when he first arrived here, and people were getting on the cop half an hour earlier than they used to. Just because you knew you were going to watch him, and every time it's like I talked to him about Sadio before. Every time you got the ball, you, you you just he's just going to do something. That that QPR game where he scored the two goals past David Seaman, they were quite. From what I can remember, they were quite close to each other. And I just, it was like when I watched Suarez score four goals as Norwich. I just thought it's a privilege to just be in this ground in that man's presence at the moment. Yeah, he was just. I mean, I've I've got a pretty rigid top five of the whole football players, but and he's in there. Just because he brought to life the end of the, the end of the eighties for Liverpool, and he's you such know, a good man too. And that that he's he's a, he's just a good man. And I, like, listen, I've I've interviewed him a couple of times. I'm very lucky to have done so. And he can be a little bit prickly, and you know, he, he you've got to you've got to he's got to warm to his top his topic. But when he does, my God, he's he's like I said, so eloquent. But it's just to celebrate the footballer. And 
the thing I did mention about those 10 goals they've got on the Liverpool website, which you can all go and look at now and you should do uh, immediately after the show, is that I think half of them as well are in the 94, 95, I'm nearly finished here at this club period. And he's scoring uh, aerial scissors kicks. Uh, I'm going to play Dead Avis Blackburn goal. I mean, what I've had kick. It's unbelievable stuff. Well, I remember like, that. Fancy nice the right floor. Uh, Steve Kelly, who edited it, said, uh, we all celebrated that goal, not because Liverpool scored, because we've never seen Barnsley Dallas get so high off the floor. <laughs> Fact, right? Yeah. Fact. Except in that era, which you talked about. Yeah, it were prime goals, but not 95. But, but even, even in his prime, even in his prime, he didn't need to do that because Barnsley crews sashayed with pace that nobody can match uh, in his prime. And then... When he moved back into midfield, he was just technically better than everybody else. And the thing I loved about that uh, scissors kick goal is the pure joy on Robbie Fowler's face. And Robbie Fowler, by the way, remember, Robbie Fowler's coming up. He's the absolute new kid on the block, the absolute hottest talent going around. And he's just looking at Barnsley going, you are an absolute miracle man. You are so good. I mean, Cam, just to give you your your take on, on Johnny Barnes, and I'll, I'll finish with Guy then. Um Johnny Bond really opened my eyes for what football was about. Um, obviously, I started supporting Liverpool around 77. And obviously, John Bond signed in, signed in 88, I think it was. July 88. Yeah, uh, July 88. He was meant to come in July, in January, and he apparently got a bit of abuse because he didn't sign and he was a bit worried. He'd have, when he, he, he'd have come in July '87, lads, if we're being correct about it, because '87 or '88 was that great team. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, he yeah. was meant to sign in January, and he didn't, and he came in July. And there was a there was a photo uh, of him and Beardsley, uh, and there was a street sign behind him. I can't remember what the street sign was, but there was an NF. It's no ball games allowed. It's a famous. Yeah, group. that's it. That's it. And there was an NF in the corner of the uh, of the sign. So, you know, you, you can see the climate he was coming into um, of football, of what football was about. And, um, you know, he, he, they asked him, when did, you, when did you first experience racism at football? And he goes, when I played my first match for Watford. And um, it, it's just his journey was is fascinating. Like I say, he, he, he opened my eyes to what football really was. That That... The joy of watching him and Beardsley and Houghton and Aldridge and Steve McMahon and Alan Hansen, you know, it was just Steve Nichol. It was phenomenal. Bruce Grobler. The, the football they played made me suddenly think, wow, this is what football really, really is about. And I have actually got a, a John Bond's quote to finish with from, from oh, the show. Love it. Love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. We'll be back to you for that. Guy, as a comparative um, um, bambino compared to the old books you're sharing uh, sharing mics with tonight, um, and, and you know, fair play for mixing in with the with the granddads. We we do appreciate it. Uh, what, what, fifty-two, what, and he's an old man. Fifty-two, he's, he's he's the ancient. Yeah. What does what does uh, what does Johnny Barnes mean for a fella from your generation who didn't have the joy of watching him? Uh, play in that late 80s team or even through the 90s probably I'm going by my estimation of what age you are what, what was John Barnes to you is he some sort of like 
fairy tale unicorn figure, or, or do, you, do, you, do you know him exclusively for his uh, forthright opinions? What what is Johnny for you? Um, it's probably the uh, the fairy tale figure. To be honest, as as you say, I'm, I'm 26 now, so I didn't have the I didn't have the opportunity to even watch him in the 90s when he was in midfield, and or even at Newcastle. Um, so yeah, he's more like that. But uh, when oh, I was part of the Newcastle stuff, to be honest, yeah, probably not. <laughs> or Charlton, uh, yeah. But um, no, he's a bit well. It's well before my time in his prime. But when, when probably more in the social media age and stuff like that. Like obviously, you know the name John Barnes and Kenny Dalglish and Sooness and stuff like that. But uh, when you get in the social media age and all the, the content Liverpool putting out as a club, you you kind of realise what a player he was, and especially in the uh, the period during racism and all the stuff and how it was in the eighties and stuff like that. It, it, he's for people of my generation, people probably think him as, as the person they just bring out on TV whenever there's a racist in, incident in football. But you should we should be reminded that he's a lot more than that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting, uh, his self-deprecation that Carl alluded to there about, you know, uh, where he says, I'm, I'm sort of inherently quite a lazy fella. Johnny Barnes is an army brat. Johnny Barnes, his dad was in the military. The word that comes up more than any other word about John's childhood is discipline. Uh, so this guy, you know, he's, 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 he's being deliberately, uh, coy there. He's being humble. And, um, I think everybody would benefit, um, from having a bit more John Barnes, uh, and his opinions. And more to the point is certainly his football highlights in their lives. So go and look at the top 10 John Barnes best goals for Liverpool and then go diving down that wormhole if you haven't been there before because it's a wonderful place to be. Let's wrap this up because the show is going long like it did last week. We make no apologies. In fact, we love it. Uh, but I'm going to go around to everybody just for final thoughts. And if you want to include a TV thing, feel free to do it. If you don't, you don't. If you've just got a quote, you've got a quote, wherever you've got. And we'll go around um, in the opposite order that we started uh, the show in. So that means I think I'm starting with you, Cam. Uh, I'll go to Carl and I'll finish with a guy uh, to see us out. So, Cam, what have you got to, to, to sign off with? Okay, uh, Netflix right recommendation, Strong. Okay. It's uh, uh, a show about fitness. And it's it's genuinely uh, it's quite inspiring. So a show I, I really a show a show about fitness. Sorry, just yeah, clarify for me. Fitness. It's not like it's just yep. a gen- general fitness show. No, no, like... it's actually uh, it's like a it's a competition. Sorry. Okay. Uh, um, it's uh, it starts off with ten ladies, ten men. Uh, the men are all personal trainers. The ladies uh, want to achieve something and. You know, it's they 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 narrow it down to a final over the ten shows, but then they show the progress that these these uh, these ladies make, and it's phenomenal. It's absolutely fantastic. Love it. I'll go go and yeah. check that out. Yeah. Interesting. So, and so the uh, John Bond's quote to finish with: Do you see yourself as an English or Jamaican first? I'm, I see myself as John Barnes first. <laughs> that's exactly what you expect from that man I love it absolutely love it nice way to finish with yourself thank you Cam uh, Carl what have you got to finish with uh, obviously I've written a book with John Barnes I just thought I'd mention that and I appear on his bookcase my name is on his bookcase behind him during his Sky interview I'll just leave that there um, you keep me? forgetting to mention that I'm in the book is your name on the cover 
Oh, you absolute arsehole. What a bitch. <laughs> listen, listen, Buffon boy. <laughs> you, you leave my John Lennon 1965 haircut alone. It, it might suit me one day. You never know. Um, speaking of the, the, the fitness thing, Cam, um, I don't know if you saw this on Strava. I did a 10 miler this week. I did see that. I give you kudos, you little rat, and you never give me any back. So I'm walk. <laughs> I did a five, uh, you know what? I did a 5k run today and I forgot to press start. Oh man, I did it on Saturday. I, yeah, um, I put it on my Nike app. So I Cam, and it's on my Fitbit as Cam, well. So. Cam. Carl Kopak does not do praise. Surely you've noticed that at this stage. It's like well, it's, not praise it's, for anyone else. He wants well, to praise no, for himself. Well, he praise himself and he praise like you know Ray Kennedy and Liverpool legends. But you're never getting any praise from Carl Kopak. Don't don't expect it, pal. Don't expect you know, it. You know after this, though, don't you, Cam? Your phone's going to go mad. <laughs> yeah. I'm walking to the shop. Well done, mate. Brilliant. Well done. Yeah, yeah really well good. done, lad. Well done. <laughs> my man was really interesting because I did it with a mate who regularly runs half marathons and stuff, and she was, like, talking me through, you know, when to slow down, when to sort of, like, you know, um, and just basically calm my mind down because my mind was going, 10 miles, really? And at one point I was thinking, it'll be okay when I get to 9.75 miles. And I thought, that's eight miles away. <laughs> That's a long way. But anyway, that. Um, <laughs> my, my plug's going to be, um, and it's not really just a plug for the website, but a plug for the story. Um, obviously, I, I write, uh, along with Trev, a, a website called Some Green Grass and a Ball, which has been referenced already. And I've written a piece this week about the former Leeds player, Albert Johansson, who played in the 65 Cup final against Liverpool. He was uh, from South Africa. Um, he came over in 1961, basically because he was spotted by a teacher uh, in South Africa and came over. He set the league alight. He got Leeds promoted with 13 goals. Then he played in the cup final. He was racially abused by pretty much every single club he played against and including sometimes even his own fans until he won them over. And um, the reason, sadly, his wife's story is so interesting is because after that cup final, his life spiraled into a, a life of um, depression and alcoholism and I've written a lot of stuff over the last 20 years, but I don't think anything has affected me more than reading that man's story. It's just so sad. So I'd like you to read that what that piece on Some Green Grass and a Ball. If you don't like like Some Green Grass and a Ball, I'm more than happy with that book. Can you just please read that man's stories, particularly given what's going on at the moment? Um, he came over at the age of 20 or whatever it was to a life where there was literally 450 black people in Leeds. And that's this is the age we live in. Carl said when he posted it that it affected him. Um, he said it. He, I think he said it in at least one of your tweets. And when I read it, it was yeah, I had the same kick in the face. It's just, it's just a sad story. It's just shit that something would work out like that. Um, and I think it's incredibly relevant and incredibly poignant and incredibly uh, apt for our time. So yeah, do go get on some green grass in the ball. Anyway, Carl says you don't. He doesn't mind if you don't like it. I mind. If you don't like some green grass in the ball, you don't like football because we've got stories there about all types of figures. In fact, specifically non-Liverpool figures. So get on there and get into some really interesting stories by people. You may not like the style. I'm willing to accept that. But every writer on there is absolutely dedicated to the craft uh, and will have put their guts into those pieces. And, you know, you can't argue with that. And the stories themselves are massively entertaining. So do get on and have a look at that. I have nothing... Oh, Trev, if if, um, if there are any young writers out there who feel like they, they write about Liverpool and no one else and aren't getting anywhere, get in touch. 
Um, I had my mate's lad write a piece last week about the strangest football transfers. It's just really good. Like called Matt Caslin. And, uh, he wrote about uh, a, a transfer for one of their, one, a Romanian player for, I think it was 15 kilos of sausages and pork. 15 kilos of sausages. Yeah. I mean, this is the Boy, kind of stuff. Where, yeah. So if you are, if you are a, a, a nipper and you're looking for uh, a chance to showcase your talent, Carl right there is saying that uh, he's willing to offer some green grass and the ball for that. And I think that's an absolutely fantastic platform and opportunity. Uh, and you're going to be mixing it with some people who know what they're doing when it comes to scribbling. So get into it and get onto it and have a, have a read if you haven't done so already. Um, I've just had an idea, Carl, might be of no interest to you, might be of great interest to you. But I would think perhaps we could come up with a nice little side podcast I'd be happy to narrate those. Maybe you could share the okay. share share the duty and get that out as a small podcast with all the some green grass and the ball uh, uh, pieces uh, read and narrated in podcast form. And I think that could be a nice thing. That, let's talk about that off mic. Um, I, I I have nothing to contribute in terms of uh, stuff that I'd recommend except for one thing this week. Um, I. The world's mad, and so I like looking at people who are good at summing up the world and 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 have done so in advance rather than these uh, after the event wisdom merchants. Um, Adam Curtis has done some incredible documentaries over the years, and if you go into an Adam Curtis uh, sort of a, 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 a rabbit hole on YouTube, you'll be better off. When you come out of it in terms of information i'm not saying that adam curtis doesn't have his own little agenda or there's things that i would always agree with but the information presented is so eye-opening that i wish more people would do it and i'd say the same about james corbett um and if you don't know either of them i think you'd really benefit by uh looking at the documentaries by both guys on youtube that's my little tuppence worth for this evening and we're going to finish with debutante uh, contributor Guy Drinkle, what have you got to see us off with? Well, you should have probably went for me first because I don't have any like proper inspirational quote, but a recommendation. Uh, it's probably the last thing I watched on TV actually. Um, is a show called Brassic on Sky. Is that uh, good? Man? good? Yeah, it's enjoyed really it. good. It's hilarious. Yeah, okay. it's really good actually. Uh, it's Shameless is probably the wrong way to put it, but it's got sh- the best parts of Shameless, but it's more of a serious show. It's quite, but it's funny. It's not serious, but it's, it's funny serious. It's it's really good. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend that if you've got Sky. The cast there, as far as I could see, it's got herself from Coronation Street, that really good looking dark haired girl. What's yeah. her name? Michelle Keegan. Michelle Keegan. And like it's a fucking got... flashlight cam. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I don't know where that came from. <laughs> you know where it came from, Grinch. But 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 um unless I'm wrong, guy, it's also got one of my favourite T V actors and uh the absolute stalwart of the wire, Dominic. Uh, what's his name? West. Am I right saying that? Um, I have watched one episode of the wire. Okay, have you seen the affair? <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. I know. I know who you're on about. Yeah, he, he plays. Yes, he, yes, he's yes a, I know who you're on about he now. Plays the, he plays the GP. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that's a bit mad. I, I can't see Dominic West doing comedy, but I, he's, he's really funny. He's, he's, he's really good. funny. <laughs> he's really good. Cool. Okay. Right. <laughs> what do you go? What do you always? He always does this like double take, and it's just brilliant. 
Yeah, like, he, like, to be fair, the, the guy's very good at what he does. I, we, we're going to have to have an actor's chat next week because I've been getting annoyed by people's opinions on, on social media about actors. Uh, we should finish it up because it's gone ridiculously long and poor Guy Drinkle has to edit this afterwards. Hopefully there won't be too many edits in terms of uh, the content, maybe just one or two little glitches in quality for you to listen through and we'll let you get away and get at that for whenever you want to. It was a belter. I'm delighted that we had Guy on this evening. Um, as ever, it's lovely to talk to Carl. It's lovely to talk to Carl. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, and it was a belter. Uh, really enjoyed the, the, the experience of having all of us uh, interacting on the show and not putting pressure on you, pal, uh, to come back. But when you do want to, uh, we will love it. Um, Anytime. You will love it because it's 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 great. It's just it it just feels natural. Uh, but we should finish up and, like I say, let everybody get back to the days. The the show's going uh, long. Um, we've got football coming up. We will have one more show before the Reds play the first game proper. Um, that show will be probably more seriously football orientated than all our our shows of late have been. Uh, how serious that that will be? Uh, who knows? Who knows? We tried today. We really did try, um, and I think we gave you like 80 percent football, maybe maybe even ninety. Uh, we'll try and do a full football show next time around if it warrants it. If the stories are there, if not, you'll get some of our usual blather. We've enjoyed uh, speaking to you. I've been Trev Denny. We had Cam Branch. We had Carl Kopak. We had our producer, stroke contributor, Guy Drinkle, joining in this week. It was the Anfield Index podcast. It was 271. And until we speak to you again, more than ever now, more than ever, be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there. Podcast Network.